This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Good morning, John. How you doing today? Pretty good? I'm all right. Good. Well, you know, I've decided to... I mean, I mean, I am wonderful, Johnny. Oh, How good are to hear. you? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm just trying to wake up, you know. I mean, it's not, not that it's early. Not, it's like I 10 o'clock. I know, I know. But you know me. You know how I am. And so I start talking. You know, I don't wake up. Um, so this is me waking and up. Then, but, and, and then you don't stop. Yeah, well, speaking of talking, actually... Um, in, re- in regards to the theme of this episode, how God is, has God spoken, Yes, I'm going to decide just to stay quiet the whole time <laughs> is that and right? just kind of see what it's like um, if God were not, uh, not that I'm God, but if God <laughs> were not speak to us, you know, it'd be awkward, right? Uh, okay. So it's a good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing that he has decided to speak to us, right? You always have a unique perspective, Johnny. Exactly. You like that? Um, so John, let's go ahead and just kind of dive right in. We're in the, the series, God Questions. Yeah. This episode is, has God spoken? Yes. And once again, Spoiler alert. The he answer has. is yes. Yes, he yeah. has spoken. Um, and what, what do you think? Uh, could God have decided not to speak to us? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I sure he could have. I mean, there is there is a belief, I guess you could call it, a, a view of God that, you know, called deism. And um, basically it's that there is a God. He spun the universe into existence, right? But then he just kind of backed off and, and he just kind of... Sitting back on his recliner watching, I guess. I, you know, I, don't, I don't know what he's doing, in, in, according to that worldview, but he's not involved. Uh, so I, I suppose it's possible. Um, it doesn't make a lot of sense, though. I, I think, you know, I think it's kind of, uh, it would be kind of weird, like, if we had kids and then we just decided never to talk to them again. We just, you know, kind of backed off and just watched them, you know, do whatever they do and and. and Squirm and through the through the world, I, we wouldn't do that, and I don't think God would do that either. You know, he 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 created things. He called it good. He called it very good when he created humanity, and then uh, for him to decide then to not be involved, that would be rather awkward. Well, I think that's kind of even the whole the. I mean, in the deistic or deism, yeah, deistic. I don't even know. Deistic's what you're fine. Deistic would work. Um, in the deistic viewpoint, I mean that God is obviously God is this amazing being. Sure, he's, he's very powerful. And he transcends us beyond you know any imagination. He yeah. So it would it would almost be okay if he were to not even engage with us, you know. But well, there's he just, certainly would have the right to not do mm-hmm. that um, if if that's what he chose. But I don't think it certainly certainly would be inconsistent with the character of the Bible and, and of course everything the Bible teaches because God or the Bible clearly teaches God was involved. But mm-hmm. you know, but if you were to believe that, then I guess you would have to be believe in an uncaring God. Um, one that didn't care that much and, and chose not to be involved. And that would be unfortunate. So that kind of reveals something about him. Yeah, it, it would, absolutely. You know, God's interaction in the world and or lack of thereof in, in the case of a deistic perspective says a lot about him and, and how he interacts in the world uh, as revealed in Scripture and as in, revealed through what we call general revelation. I think those are all important things. And they, they communicate not that only that God exists, but they tell us things about God. Mm. You're just talking about general general revelation yeah. and reveal something revealed in Scripture. Those two obvious two ways that God reveals himself. Yeah. General meaning. General, general meaning it's a, it's available to everyone at all times. In other words, you know, things of, things of nature, the, the, the universe, the world, it's, 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 uh, 
it's not special. So there's, you know, or particular. So there's different terminology that's used. Some, some use general and special or general and particular. And, and basically special or particular res- revelation is um, revelation that is not available to everyone at all times. The scripture would be that it hasn't been available to everyone at all times. Still isn't. Um, so. And still isn't in some way, in some parts of the world. So, um, but general is nature is the, the way the world is that that's available to everyone. So we call them God revealing himself through his creation, general revelation, and God revealing himself through uh, scripture, through dreams, through visions, through those kinds of things. Um, th- those would be special. Uh, in the category of special revelation. So like just the idea of, of, of looking up in the sky at night and going, wow, there must there. be something. Or like you see a baby, a newborn baby born mm-hmm. and just, well, okay, yeah. wow, yeah. There's, there's a creator there. That, that's that general revelation. Yeah. So the special revelation we're talking about was scripture and God would use even people um, to write down because the guy's well, obviously he not, yeah he did sometimes, use sometimes he wrote down you know with his finger like he's talking yeah, about yeah. the Ten Commandments well, that's, that's the, pretty rare though yeah or the writing on the wall you know yeah, and, um, right. I think it was in uh, Persia or something yeah with or the Babylon. Kings. yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know which one it was but you know he wrote on the wall yeah it was, I think it was yeah anyways you but but there but he does use people to actually pen it out uh-huh. now when he uses people does he is they just taking over them or is there a personality that's yeah, like still auto writing? Yeah. Like my right. hands over here writing and I'm not paying any attention to it. Yeah. Is that, or is there still like some sort of a uh, personality that's still intact or. Yeah. I mean, uh, clearly as you read scripture, if you believe this, if you believe the scripture as I do, as our church does, um, as evangelical Christians do, if you believe that what we have in scripture, the 66 books of scripture is inspired by God, then you believe he, um, was highly involved in its authorship, but he did not overtake the authors of scripture in the sense of eliminating their personality or their writing style or things like that. And and this is clear because if you read it, you see different writing styles, you see different personalities, Mm. you you learn about these authors through how they wrote. And so, and so that's clearly true that, that there is a personality behind it, um, that, that uh, they have writing styles, the way they use their language, their their command of the language, their vocabulary is different. Um, you know, if you read Paul versus Luke or or Matthew or whoever, um, you you see different uses, um, different vocabularies in in some ways, and also there's but there's still consistency as well. Um, and so and so no, God doesn't overtake the person and eliminate the personality. But he instead, you know, as we talked about in Peter, where it talks about, uh, you know, the prophets were carried along, you know, by the wind, if you will, of the Holy Spirit, by the by the movement of the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, the Holy Spirit is involved in inspiring and and all the way down to the words used, but without removing the personality. Now, here's the thing. We can sit here and talk about exactly how that works. And beyond what I've just said, it's kind of. Uh, guesswork at best, like you know, to understand exactly how God does that, I think is is difficult. And yet we see sixty six different books, over forty five different authors of Scripture, and and written over a fifteen hundred year span of time, but they all communicate the same overall narrative, the same meta narrative, the same story of God and humanity, and and that is amazing uh, to say the least. Because it's almost like. Somebody's hacking and say, well, if God spoke, mm-hmm. then why is his personality so different in so many ways? But the, you're almost saying it's actually even more impressive that you have these different people that are writing something so many years apart 
and yeah. yet it's so uh, intertwined and cohesive. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, that, and that's more impossible. It's evident. It's it's not. Uh, you know, it doesn't. It, it's it's not bulletproof in the sense of prove it doesn't, beyond a shadow yeah, of doubt. Yeah. yeah, prove beyond the shadow of a doubt. But it's a piece of evidence that I think you look at how Scripture is unified in its message and with so many different authors over that span of, of time, and and I think it is amazing uh, to say the least. And so, I mean, you can't find two authors that agree on much of anything, much less over forty and over a fifteen hundred year period, um, and geographically spread apart. Yeah, too. And geographically uh, spread apart in some ways, and and all those kinds of things. Uh, so you have so you have a pretty amazing book and and people recognize it that way. I mean people recognize it as an amazing book. They look at it, even people who are skeptics of it are are amazed by it. Um, and I think that's evidenced by, you know, how many people purchase it every year. Yeah. That it still remains every single year. It's the best selling book and it's not close. That's funny. Um, you know, going back I, I was looking up a King it was King Belshazzar, Daniel chapter five, yeah. with the writing on the wall. Yeah. So I just yeah. looked that up. There you go. In case you want to read about it, Daniel, Daniel chapter five. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, another form of, of uh, what uh, specific revelation you special about or special particular, or yeah. particular um, is the visions. You, yeah, you know, visions, yeah. Now, why, you, t- you kind of mentioned that in your sermon on yeah. Sunday. Um, why does God use visions? And is it bad if you don't get them? You know, like, is it fair? Like, <laughs> right. why, don't, why don't I get a vision? I have know? never had a vision, Johnny. Mm-hmm. Not, not in that sense anyways. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I know I think it's great. And God uses visions in scripture, right? It's not just now, but then now we have in the Muslim world, especially places where it's hard for Christians to get. Um, we have these visions where there might be a missionary or a Christian and literally, you know, my, my son's funny and my daughter was the same way. And I, I, I wouldn't, I would imagine your kids probably were the same way. And they're like, I'm the only Christian in my school, which I know, I know that's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know it's patently not true because I know who some of them are. Sure. You know, like, like you're not the only Christian in your school, but in parts of the Muslim world, there literally might be one Christian or one Christian family in, in a, in a, in a town, yeah. maybe if you're lucky. Right. Like, and, and if, and then they're, they're afraid to admit it because they might get killed. You know, I mean, the, the, the stakes are high. Right. And so and so God in, in those contexts, it seems like in recent years has used visions to communicate directly to Muslims in those kinds of contexts and say, hey, go talk to this person tomorrow in town or whatever, you know, some kind of some kind of message. And and what's interesting about the visions is they're consistent. So they're, they're, they're very, as people describe them, that theme again, right? As people describe them, different people, different parts of the Muslim world describe the visions and they're very similarly described, you know, man in white robe told me to go, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Some, some might say it it was an angel or it was God or whatever, but it was, but the description is very consistent. And then, and, and it's go meet, you know, this person in this town and ask them about Jesus or something like that. And and they do, and then they end up, you know, coming to Christ, and and so it's amazing. So God, now that's not the same kind of special revelation as we have in Scripture. Those are different kinds of special revelation. One is a specific message for a specific person in a specific context, and though we have some of that recorded in Scripture, what's recorded in Scripture is for the good of, of of all of God's people, and and, and we have that recorded in a written way that we can reflect on it. 
Um, and so, and so we, you know, just need to make those kinds of distinctions. Yeah. And I think making distinctions is obviously important because, you know, if you ask me, have I ever had a vision? Right. And I, I want to say I've had a dream that was amazingly spiritual and emotional. Don't know if it was a vision, but it was yeah. about worshiping in heaven, which yeah. is really cool. Um, I'm not going to say it was, you know, cause I yeah. don't, I don't, I'm always weird to say stuff like that. And, and I think that's smart to be a little bit conservative when it comes to that kind of thing. And that's the thing too, I was going to kind of lead, lead me to the next question was, um, it seems like you'll you'll hear a lot of times, and, I, and I've you know felt God speaking to me or an impression on my heart. Believe that God's leading you, leading in a certain me way. in a certain direction. But you'll see, you'll hear that a lot. Like God yeah. told me this, God told me that. Why is that? Um, why are we skeptical of when people say God told me this or God yeah. told me that? Why, why why is it natural to be skeptical, and is it even good to be skeptical? Well, I don't I don't know if it's natural to be skeptical. I think maybe that comes from some experience or something. I don't know. But, um, but I, cause I have friends and you do too. Some of them are, are mutual friends of ours who, who aren't skeptical at all to that kind of stuff. And they get, they just kind of think, um, you know, they, they talk as if God's always talking to them. And, and, and even some of our friends, I, I might go, I'm not so sure that was God. Um, and, and that's, you know, I'm not in their mind and I'm not accusing them of lying or being deceptive or, yep. or anything of that yeah, kind. Any There's, it's intent. not a cut on that person, but I think our emotions often, uh, confuse us. You know, sometimes we have an emotional response to something and then, and we, and instead of going, oh, wow, I'm having an emotional response to this where I feel, you know, um, I feel really like I should praise God or worship God because of this experience I've had or because of this emotion I'm having, which I think all of that is fine and valid. Oh, yeah. Um, but then they say, well, God told me. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe God told you something. Maybe he didn't. Maybe it was your emotional response or maybe it was your own conscience, or which can even be, which can, our, our own conscience can tell us good things. I think God gave us that conscience, right? It Bible talks about God um, imprinted his, his laws on our heart. And so, I, and I think that's referring to kind of our conscience. I think that's God given. Now, um, unbelievers, they have that too, right? I, absolutely, they do. To, you know, and and it may, it may not be redeemed, but they still have it. And so, I think, so I think those things can be guiding us and leading us. And you you could say, well, God is leading and guiding us through our conscience. Okay, that's fine, but th- that doesn't mean it's a direct and special revelation from God, right? And so that's what I that's why I think we that would actually if that falls under anything it would fall under the general revelation category right our own conscience because everybody has a conscience okay and so that would be a general revelation kind of thing and so and so I think that you know what God speaks and I have had also some some moments in my in my life where I think um, I've had kind of a direct interaction with God I'll put it that way because it wasn't always a voice or something but um, you know, one time, one time that I think of, it was more of a feeling. Yeah, like a um, peace. This comes over you or something. Or yeah, although this was a specific message, it was while I was praying, and and oh, I'll just tell the story. I mean, I, I don't mind telling the story, I guess. And I, could this be an emotional response on my part? Yes. So I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say this was absolutely God, but I think it was God. Um. And, and I was praying and this was when my wife was pregnant with, with my son, Joe. Um, and, uh, and I was praying for a boy. We had a girl. We wanted a boy. We were both praying for a boy. We wanted that. And so we were praying and I was actually getting ready for youth group. I was a youth pastor at the time, setting up chairs and different things like that. I was just praying. And I was, and as I was doing it, I was, I just felt like all of a sudden I felt like God said, you're having a boy now shut up, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like quit bugging me. Yeah. And literally I stopped praying about it and we had a boy. 
Does that was that for sure? Can I prove it? No, but I think that was God. Well, he told you to shut up. So I mean, I, if I was God, okay, that I'd tell was you, my paraphrase. I'd tell you but to shut up too. I know, <laughs> so right? Maybe it was. Lots of people tell me to shut up. Yeah. So and there's been other circumstances. Once, once there was a spiritual warfare thing, and I just you know prayed and and I and I, and I believe that God interacted. Um, and and there's there's some a mm-hmm. couple other circumstances where I I really think that that those things were from God and it was direct interaction. Is it good to be skeptical? I, I think it is. I think it is too. Why, and it, why do you think so? Well, I think it is because, because, uh, for, for a couple of reasons. One is that sometimes if we confuse our emotions or something like that with God telling us something, it can mislead us. In other words, I might have an emotional response to something and I'm going, wow, wouldn't it be great if God did this thing? And, and I get all emotional about it. And then I, and, and I, I can convince myself that that is God telling me that this is going to happen or that, or that God did this or whatever. And I can, and I can say that. And then all of a sudden I'm saying, God said, this is going to happen and it doesn't happen. What does that make me? False prophet? Pretty, pretty close, right? Like that's, sure. yeah. I mean, so it's, it, be, it can get scary real fast. When you start to say that God said something, what God says comes true. Or is true. Yeah. Always. 100% of the time. It never, ever, 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 ever fails. And so if I allow my emotions to take over or to convince myself of something and it isn't what God desires or what God wants to do or what God's going to do, do, then that makes me a false prophet or someone who proclaims that God said something he didn't say. And so I think that's a very dangerous road to go down. So I kind of avoid it. I, I want to avoid speaking speaking for God, for God when he yeah. hasn't spoken. So that's you don't why mind using scripture. Well, scripture he's spoken, right? Yeah. That's clear. That's I don't clear. I don't have to doubt that. So I can I can God spoke in scripture. I can do that. I that's think for clear. me, what do you think about this? For me, when it comes to what really affects me is when people say hey, God spoke to me, God, you know, yeah. then, then I go, well, I guess well, if I don't if I'm not currently aligned with that thinking, whatever yeah. you're whatever he's told you, yes. now I have to now change what I'm doing and do what you're doing because clearly God spoke to you. Right. So it's almost like sometimes I find, I've found myself in the past, um, my identity gets rocked because I feel like God isn't, I'm in the wrong spot apparently. If this person says this was God's telling right. them and yep. this is how we should be living, then yep. apparently now I'm not living that way. So now I got to follow that person. And then I realized after uh, a year of following that person that they just fell away completely. And now I'm over in a new place I'm not mm-hmm. even supposed to be because I was following this person. Yeah. You know, I feel I just find myself always wanting to you know, if, if, if God spoke to them, if that's really from God, then I think I should be doing what they're, what, yeah. similar to what they're doing yeah. and embracing that. But then, you know, you, you almost, you need to see yeah. the longevity of some things. Yeah. And I don't, I don't trust myself to that either mm-hmm. because there's always an interpretive side to that or an emotional side to that or whatever. And, and I'm not saying none of your emotions are valid. I'm just saying that we ought to, we ought to always evaluate, uh, not only what we think, but what we feel, right? Both. We need to evaluate those things. And, and so, so I don't trust myself to get that right all the time. Okay. And so I don't want to run around saying God told me, even if I really think, and I, I think it's better to say, you know, I think, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking about this, but I think God might be leading me down this path. Because then it's open to discussion, right? Because it's all, all also kind of a conversation stopper. If God says, or if, you, if a person says, God told me, then how do you argue with that? Yeah. Now I do, and I have, and I will continue to do Which that, but it's Which is scary too, because if God really did tell them, then why would you, you wouldn't want to argue against God. So right. it's always. But I'll, but I'll always, I'll always go. Challenge them a little I'll bit. I'll always challenge them and go, I'm, you know, how do you know it was God? 
I think that's a fair question. Well, that's the thing too. Is like I've encountered people before, you know. And got, then they get offended. By the way, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. But sure. then when you ask that question, it's like, what? You don't believe me? And it's like, well, kind of not. But yeah. it's not because I think you're lying or you're a bad person. I'm I just, offended that you interrupted me, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was gonna, I was gonna say though that um, that when it comes to um, I, you know, I've even experienced people. I people are people might be thinking, why are you being so just nitpicky about this kind of stuff? Yeah. Because I've seen people go. You know what? God told me that I'm gonna. I need, this is the one I'm gonna marry. Some this one mm-hmm. I'll marry her, so, and who wants us to live together? Mm-hmm. You know, to oh, save yeah. money. You know, yeah. you'll see that. Or God told me that I really need this this car, this new car, and it's like, well, it's expensive. You know, no, but I mean, he told me that's what he wants yeah. for me, and he wants to bless me. So you get you see all that all you the time. See it abused. Yeah. yeah, you see it abused all the time, and it really is is not a good thing. Yeah, uh, ready for the worst transition ever. Uh, well, no. Let me. Okay, go ahead. Let me. Let me say one more thing. Do your thing, and hopefully that. Just because I want to echo something you said, that might I think help it's us important. Um, and and I've seen this with marriage a lot too, right? Not only not only with the you know God told me and then we're gonna live together thing, but also the 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 divorce thing, right? So so some people uh, will go will have an affair or something like that, and then go, yeah, but I found my soulmate now. God told me that this person is the person, mm-hmm. and it's not their it's not their spouse. Yeah, and I'm like, whoa. That's really extremely dangerous. And I've seen people do this, not, like famous Christian, quote unquote, people say that, say things like that. Like they, they get divorced and marry somebody new that they had an affair with, or, or even if they didn't have an affair, but they, you know, they found the they one. kind of found it while they were married and then they got divorced so that they could remarry somebody else. And that is not what scripture teaches. Mm-hmm. That's not, not okay. really. So you're, it sounds like to wrap this up then, it sounds like if, if you feel God tells you something, if you feel that, yeah. then you need to test it against scripture. Well, yeah, but that's not enough. That's a great start. Okay. It's not enough. Well, what would you because suggest Because there's after a that? lot of things that God tells us, quote unquote, that scripture doesn't really speak to. Okay. You know, like uh, God told me to marry this person. Well, okay. That's true, Scripture yeah. does not tell you. It doesn't say in scripture who you should who, should, who you should marry. It might give you some, there might be some principles and some characteristics to evaluate that person by, but it doesn't say their name is this person. Johnny, you should marry, you, you know, so and so. There's no there's no verse in the Bible that says Johnny marries Kelsey, mm-hmm. like, or, or John marries Krista. Like that's there's nowhere. So so that's the problem. Is that yeah? You can look at scripture and go, well, scripture doesn't deny it, that's so it true. must be from God. No, it's not enough. And so that's why I think even at that point, you, you we need to be very. Th- careful and conservative in how we think about that. Number one, we ought not proclaim that God told us to, told it to us. It's better to say, thinking I might, God might be leading me this direction. I th- I'm okay with that kind of language because then we can still have a discussion about it. And, and it might be okay to, um, you know, and, and, and if you, and then explore it and that's fine, but we should not just trust that because we had a thought, it must be from God. Hmm. That's true. So John, this transition is a it's a intergalactic it's a it's an intergalactic jump. It's it's a big one. Okay, ready? I'm ready. And actually, I kind of helped us out a little bit <laughs> because you talked about Eric Meta, Met Metaxas. Whatever Metaxas, his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I'm saying that his name right. Metaxas. So there's 200 plus factors um, in the world, or just to make to to ha- to allow for us to live in this universe to support life on support yeah. life. So is there life? Outside, see the intergalactic uh, yeah. jump. Do you think the intergalactic? Because you, you hear that a lot. Now. You hear a lot about um, aliens, aliens, yeah. and such like that. And I always, you know, you th- you think about how hostile our our atmosphere is or our mm-hmm. universe is, and the fact that there is an Earth that does support life. It's a it's it is miraculous. Yeah, almost as if it was an intelligent designer. Yeah, I I you know I I can't 
I can't with 100% of logical certainty say no. Okay. But I will tell you with 100% psychological circuit certainty, no. There's, 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 there's not intelligent life outside of our planet Earth unless we send somebody up into space. And here's, here's why I say that. I, again, I can't. Yeah, I was going to ask you why. I can't 100% say no as far as logical certainty because I haven't. This guy could do what he wants. You know, if he wanted to create, he could do that. Right. And, and, and we can't see everywhere that, that exists in the universe and things like that. Right. But there is absolutely zero evidence for, that we have for aliens from other intelligent life from other planets. Like we don't, we don't have any. There's none. People would say that's not true, though. Some oh, people. Oh well, would. yeah. The people they all live by Area 51, mm-hmm. though. Okay. <laughs> They're all. Are, are they all dead now? Because that was wasn't the storm Area 51. Wasn't that last month or I something? Think, well, they. Yeah, I think only five people. Like, <laughs> like I think five it was like, people. I think it was, it was really small. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, yeah, because they're all scared the government's going to kill them. Yeah. yeah <laughs> everyone. Everyone likes to follow something until. It yeah. Right. Potentially. So obviously, there's conspiracy theorists, theorists out there and things like that. But but there's no evidence for it. We can see a long ways into the universe. You know, with telescopes, telescopes and things like that, and we've gotten, we've, we haven't found it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, um, and not only have we not found intelligent life, but the places, but there aren't really planets where that support at least our kind of life. Our kind of life, yeah. And so, and so, we don't have any evidence of it. There's certainly nothing in Scripture that says that we should expect it. Could God have done it? Could it be beyond? Yes, it could. Um, would that blow Christianity out of the water? No, it wouldn't at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but. It would certainly have, uh, have there'd be a bunch like, of questions. What? Yeah, what? We'd, have, we'd have to really think through some things. But I, I, I think, I think, I think we can pretty with with a very high degree of certainty say no. Okay. I wonder why. Yeah, I just wonder why people, you know, maybe they, they just are. want want it to be. Yeah. Maybe is what it is. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So John, talking about coming back down to earth. Uh, yeah. See. So intergalactic jump coming uh-huh. back down to earth. Coming back down to earth. This um, is funny. Trying to jump back into time. You well, said we have Indralaga Jones. <laughs> yep, coming back traveled. to Earth, and now we've got tri- time travel. Yeah, we're, we're traveling. One, one podcast episode here only on the Gray Steep Dive podcast. Yeah, yeah. Who does that? Who does that? That's so amazing. My, all my comic this book is uh, talent reading that is coming. Yeah, you have seen right. So going, going, going back in time. You said something this Sunday that was very disturbing, John. <laughs> I, I I do my you best. Say a lot. Yeah. Um, the disturbing thing you said was the Bible that we're reading. Yes. It's not the original Bible. <laughs> so can you explain that? Why? Yes, I can. I mean, I remember when I learned about this, I was like, what? What? Like, what? We didn't copy the original down? So, so. Well, we did. Okay. Now, many times. Use yes. your words. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Use your words carefully here. So, but, okay. So can you kind of explain manuscripts and kind of the process yeah. a little bit? Well, this is real. This is really, really important for us to understand this. Um, you know, this is textual criticism stuff this is you know brainiac kind of stuff but it's also very very important because there are guys out there like bart ehrman who is a who is a atheist new testament scholar he's a legitimate scholar he's very well educated um educated by believers by christian new testament scholars but but as an atheist um and he comes along in misquoting jesus one of his books and says and says there's like all these errors in the manuscripts. There's more errors than there are words in the New Testament or something like that. You know, he says kind of these crazy things. And everybody's like, wow, look, we can't trust the Bible. And, and, and then you begin to evaluate what he means by that. And he is being very misleading. And I think he knows better, too. This is I would accuse him of deception. He is he is uh, he's a scholar. He knows. He's a scholar. He knows better. And he and and I've. You know, heard other new, you know Christian New Testament scholars who have interacted with him, and he 
says things very differently when he's one-on-one with them because he can't get away with it than when he's, you know, out trying to sell his books. Um, now, you know, whatever his beliefs are regarding atheism, whatever his doubts are, I, I'm not questioning those are sincere, um, but I do think he is intentionally Maybe, maybe he's a little biased in he, his. Uh, very biased, yeah. yeah. And so what happens is this, that we have like over 5,000 manuscripts. 5,000, that's... That blows away any everybody. Other, any other historical ancient, document. Is any other ancient piece of document. Which I was going to bring up too because um, I've heard, I don't know what the statistic is, but the Iliad yeah. is an older book yeah. than the New Testament. Yeah, and that's like and that's like the second most or something like that. Yeah, and there's only... Uh, it's, it's in the hundreds. In hundreds, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't even reach 1,000. I, I heard like 20,000 on the New Testament. Is that not true? Well, it depends on how you count them, but when I, I'm being conservative with okay. the 5,000, and um, and I'm talking about in the original language and things like that. Now, we okay. have we have uh, copies in Latin and different things, and, and you begin to add some of these other things that you can get up. In the 20s, probably close to 20,000 or something. I don't know what the number is, but a lot more than 5,000. But I'm talking about you know 5,000 manuscripts that are copying parts parts of the New Testament um, in in in, in the original language. Um, now, why do we need, why do we need manuscript? I mean, cause you, I mean, don't they have a, a, a data cloud, a, a cloud <laughs> database in the sky? They just upload, upload it, it the, all. Yeah. Well, it is now, but yeah, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm sure that there's digital images of them somewhere, um, huh. you know? Yeah. But, uh, and, and I, and I've gotten to look at a replica of, of the, uh, a manuscript of Isaiah, for example, that Dead Sea Scrolls. Dead sea Scrolls. Yeah. yeah. When I was in, in Israel this last year, they um, had them here in Denver too last year. Yeah, they probably do it, but mm-hmm. they're probably replicas. Uh, well, they no, they probably some pieces thing, might yeah. be original, but um, but the Isaiah scroll specifically is is uh, is is in Jerusalem. Is in Jerusalem. Okay, um, but anyway, so why, but why do they have manuscripts? I mean, I mean, you can obviously thousands of years. Yeah, parchment and ink or whatever they did like the is going to break down. Yeah. Well, then this is what's so cool, right? Is because the New Testament especially is was copied. And you know, here's the other thing that part Bart Ehrman, there's others, but Bart Ehrman is everybody's favorite skeptic for whatever reason. Well, because he was he was he claimed at one point to be a Christian, he became an atheist and says and like attacks all these things. But even even Bart Ehrman, you know, uh, when when he's caught in an honest moment, will will admit that yeah, we pretty much know what the originals say, and it's because we have all these manuscripts. One of his other bad ways of looking about things. He talks about the telephone game. You've played telephone yeah. game, yeah, when you're a kid or whatever. And everybody whispers, you know, in the ear next to him a message and you have twenty people and by the time it gets to the end it's all messed up, right? And and people go, see, that's what Bible that's what's happened to the Bible. Like when we read our Bible, our NIV, our ESV, whatever their translation is, that's what it's been translated so many times. Like it's translations upon translations upon translations. And it's not. That's not even remotely close to how that how that transmission works. So you have, say for instance, a Paul Paul would write the letter to Ephesus and you know, we call that book that letter Ephesians and we have that and, and and they would copy it, I don't know, 10, 20 times, whatever, and then they would send it to others. And then they would copy and send it to others. And they would copy and send it to others. So we so they would have had, you know, 10, 20 copies of the original right away. And then they would have had copies of those copies. And when right? they make copies too, I mean they're really and they copies. were really picky and they were really careful and, and, and they made many, many copies, right? And so what we have is a breadth of copies, not just a depth, which would be the telephone game, not a linear thing, a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. We probably oh, have, it's like So it's like me selling instead of one person who tells one person. You it's tell like me 10 telling people. 20 people 
and then them telling, and then they go back and look to see. Yeah, and then you can all of a sudden compare, were. and then yeah. you go, oh, it's really easy to see what the errors are. Yeah, right here. I've actually done this exercise. With Johnny. With, yeah, Johnny I've actually done this up. exercise with people where I've in a, you know, when I've taught some apologetics classes and things. Now I'll actually sit them down. I'll put, I'll put just four different versions of a of a of a verse on the on on a screen with errors in all four versions. Mm-hmm. I make sure, you know, I made sure there were errors in all four versions. And I'll tell them, I'll say, look, these none of these are the original. These are all copies. They're all, you know, there could be errors in any of these or all of them. And you need to, you need to look at all of them and come up with what the original says. You know, and I'll use like the NIV version. I'll just put different English version, you know, with all with errors. I'll make sure they all have errors. And some of them are significant errors. Some of them are minor, little tiny errors. And, and if people, if I've done a good job of explaining it, which I haven't always, but if I've done a good job of explaining it and they understand the task, and they understand what's supposed to happen, they always, 100% of the time, with only four different versions, get it exactly right. Because you start to see where, where is it consistently this way. Yeah. yeah. They can see the errors. And so when, so when we, if they can do that with four untrained people. Yeah, and with intentional errors. Yeah. Yeah, which the scriptures weren't, the manuscripts weren't you trying to throw them Most off. Most of the time. Yeah. Sometimes there's some, probably some intentional things, but, but, but we know where those are and we take them out and we go, Oh, that's, that's, you know, and then, and then we, we got 5,000. We know what the original says. Yeah. And so, but that's, in, it's in the Greek or, you know, Hebrew and the old Testament, Aramaic and, and some spots and stuff. And so, and so when we translate those, we are the version that you have, whatever it is, mm-hmm. King James, NIV, ESV, NASB, whatever, whatever version translation you have is, is, is a translation of the original. It's a translation of the original with that 1.5% of that text that we're not sure. We're not exactly sure what the original says. And they're being honest. About yeah. That, yeah. And, and, and then, and then in your margins and in your notes, it tells you because it makes sense sure. because the original, the original, uh, Scroll of Isaiah, the actual original one. Yeah, it's not. It's we don't decompose. It. Well, it's decomposed. Yeah, it doesn't even yeah. exist. Yeah. You know, over you know, yeah, thousands and thousands of years, it's it's not here anymore. Which yeah. is kind of why, which but, is so significant about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes, because that when they found that, they found a, a manuscript of Isaiah that was a thousand years earlier than the one we had currently had. Yeah, and you know how many how many differences they found? Like none. Yeah. It's pretty much exactly. Yeah, so we had one that we're working off that's from um, maybe a what? What would it be like a, a thousand AD? What the, the the current whatever manuscript? That I, we, I think it was in the four hundreds or something. I, I don't remember exactly. The one they found was um, was BC. Was it BC? I think yeah, I believe so. I'm not okay. I, you can look it up. I have but, to look it up. But the point is that we we are we were working off that we knew of a manuscripts yeah. that were about yeah. a thousand plus years old. And now we can and we'll date it back Jump even further. Jump way back. And we just we and found it shows out that, that it, it was, only proves that it was accurate. It was accurate. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um, John, you have any questions? Um, I, actually, I was going to ask you about the Iliad. So, you know, people don't attack that really. Yeah. Even though we have quite... Lots of ancient manuscripts they don't attack. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why do they attack the Bible? Because they, they don't like God. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking, like, I was thinking, when people <laughs> get so angry about... Yeah. You know, like, for instance, like... I don't know. Maybe there's a reason, but like, you know, you talk about that, that atheist scholar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bart who Ehrman. was a believer and then switched, yeah. you know, which is fine. But then he wanted to attack. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's almost like when people have so much, like, you know, I don't, I don't believe in, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses. 
But I don't hate him. It doesn't right. bug me. I don't want to go after and attack him. Right. You know? I, actually, I can kind of see it now. You know, Johnny's like running down the street. They're, hey. they're, they're knocking on doors. Johnny's like, hey, come back here. And they got to run from Johnny. Yeah, I can kind of see because it. Because I'm not threatened. We should make that a reality I'm show. I'm not threatened by it. You know, that's the yeah. thing. And I think that's the problem. I think that's why Christianity yeah. gets attacked or the Bible gets attacked. Yeah, of course it's it does. because there's a deep down threat there. There and is. They know there's life change. You know, there's, mm-hmm. they know that, that it's an effective. It's, it's effective. It's powerful. It does things. And deep down inside, they know. Because then why would you attack? It doesn't yeah. matter. Well, and, let, and let's be honest. You know, the, the word of God is powerful. It transforms people. It transforms cultures. Um, it, you know, it, 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 it is powerful. You it's know, a threat. This, this thing with Kanye West and, and all this stuff that's going on with him. Like, I, am, I, I believe, I really do believe that God is, is changing him is transforming him, mm-hmm. you know, because the word of God is powerful and, and it is scary and it doesn't just tra- and it, and it threatens to take our power away from us. Yeah. Um, and because, because it, it, it reveals how powerless we are and how sinful we are. And it shows us our need for redemption. And we don't like that. We want to be the, we want to be God. We want to sit on our own throne and we don't want to just give it to God and let him sit on the throne. And so I think, I think, you know, the word of God's powerful. It changes people, it changes cultures and it threatens our, our human, our human made power structures. And, uh, and, and so people don't like it. Uh, I think, I think it's, it's sad, but you know, when it comes to the Bible and I posted by the way, on, on our grace fellowship, um, Facebook page, uh, like a little video, it's not very long, but how did we get our Bible and just kind of answering some of those questions. And I think that short video is, does a really good job of explaining it. And I think it, it would be good. It would be good for everybody to watch it, you know, to just kind of go and look and, and, and see it and go, yeah, that makes sense. Because there's a lot of criticisms of the Bible, right? Like, um, like oh, we didn't, we didn't even have that. Uh, you know, it wasn't canonized until the 300s or 400s, you know, in, in, in all these things. And, and that's, not, that's not really true. That's a misunderstanding and a mischaracterization of what happened. Um, and so this, this video, I think, does a good job of explaining it. Um, so I, it's important to know. But but the the Bible that we have it's 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 powerful so it's inspired by God it's written by men but inspired by God, um, and I think that that's really important down to the very word. Well, that sounded like the wrap up right there, John. But is that, not, is that the wrap up? We're not there yet though. That was oh, good, we're not at the wrap up. Okay. That was a good wrap. Well, I wasn't up. trying to wrap oh, up. That's a good one. Hey, um, before we before we get to that point, which we're we're getting close, um, you know, as you're listening to this. The series is called God Questions. Yeah. And I, I, I almost like want people to stop in their, wherever, their car, whatever they're doing. What is that question that you have? You just stopped I-25, traffic on I-25. I just stopped time. I'm time traveling. We're intergalactic jumps, and I just stopped time. <laughs> this is unbelievable. But, like, the, but the question is, you know, what Marvel is, has nothing on us. That's right. Well, Marvel has nothing because I'm a DC Or DC. Guy. Yeah, okay, there you go. But, but the point is... Um, what is that question that you have as you're listening? Because we all have questions, and you're only going to answer for this this month of the series. Yeah. But what is that question as you as a listener you have? Please email us. Yeah, we'd love podcast. to hear. Yeah, just podcast at gfol.org. And John would love to try to tackle that, try to shed some light on I'll that. Do, but, I'll do my best. But John, um, obviously there's a lot of questions. Did you come across any while you were studying? Oh, my gosh. I mean, That so you want to shed on or... Yeah, well, I think I think a couple of things. You know, I didn't I didn't really dive into it too much in a, in a really explicit way, um, but I think it is important to 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 be explicit when it comes to what our understanding of the Bible. And we've kind of a lot of people in Christian circles have kind of tried to back away from the Bible. I don't want to use the word Bible because people have a reaction to it, and that's fine. I understand that, but I wanted to build a case for the Bible. You know, and and. As far as what we believe about the Bible, you know, we believe it is the inspired word of God, that it is inerrant in its original documents. Um, and, and I think a good case can be made for that. On the flip side, I don't have to um, 
I don't have to convince somebody that's the, that it's the inspired word of God uh, in order to talk to them about Jesus. And, and as I can, I can approach it as a historical document because it is, and it talks about Jesus and what he taught and what he said. And, and, and you don't, you don't have to believe in the inspiration in order for in order to talk to people about what the Bible says about Jesus and who he was. And I think it also follows, you know, we're kind of this these four questions are a progression. This is really important. So if you haven't gone back and listened to the first, you know, the, these the previous sermons and, and stuff, do that. Go back to that first one because it's does God does God matter? Mm-hmm. And we, we said, yes, he matters. And, and then, well, if God matters, then we ask the God ask the question, has he spoken? And, and if he has spoken, you know, where do we find that and how do we, how do we get access to that? And that's really important. And, and we, we, of course, came to the conclusion, yes, God has spoken and we do have access to it. Um, and we should, you know, we should read and study it. And so this next, the next question um, is going to be, was Jesus really God? And, and I think that these, these are all really important. And the last question is going to be, did he really rise from the dead? And so as we answer these questions, if God doesn't matter, then none of the other ones matter. Yeah. If God exists and he matters, but he hasn't spoken, then the, then the other ones probably don't matter as much either. You know, like, so they all build on the previous ones. And I think that's really important for people to understand and to pay attention to. Okay. Any resources you recommend, John? Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a book, um, that I quoted on Sunday called not what you think. And it's about the Bible. Um, uh, Michael and Lauren McAfee, I think is, is, okay. is the, are the authors. And it's really, really very good. And they especially talk about how millennials see the Bible and why it's important. It is not a book about inerrancy or transmission or anything like that. It's, it's, it's more of a, a, a book about how, um, millennials see the Bible, why the Bible is important and why they might find, um, more value in it if they give it give it the time of day and, and that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, what's a big idea, John? Wrap it up. I know we used to, you did a great job, but. Uh, well, you know, yeah. Here, here it is. God has spoken. If you want to know what he said, read the Bible. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.